Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here with the show, welcome and hello. Hi. (laughs) We're super excited today. One, because as we record this, Kristen's new man is meeting our father. And she's just titillated about it. Stop. I'm blushing. That was my freaking phone. Hold on. Yeah. Do not disturb. Shut up. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) But also we are excited because your case is supposed to be extra, extra special today. Is it supposed to be extra special? Don't put that pressure on me. I just want to say that it's probably one of my favorites just because there's so many components going on and... We just, I don't even know if we're going to get into everything that you could get into when it comes to this case. Wow. Yeah. So before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that if you're not on Instagram, you're just missing out. You're literally missing out on being a part of our community. (laughs) You're missing out on our banter. You're missing out on everything. It's okay. It's okay. It's still time. Just follow us at Black True Crime Podcast. And over there, we announced this week that there is a giveaway going on. We're doing another one. Like I said, we're doing it every single month and we're announcing it on June 15th. The only requirement you have to do is leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or Spotify. You don't have to do all three, but you can if you just want to be special and stand out. Okay. Question. Are we choosing the people that come to our live... Or are we choosing everyone who does those three things or the one thing, whatever? We're choosing from everyone that makes the cut. Everyone that does exactly what the qualification is. And you have to do that and then send us a screenshot through DMs or email, whatever works best for you. And then we'll be deciding on June 15th, probably on live, like we did last month. That was really fucking fun. So we'll probably just do that again. And yeah, win some money. I'm excited for you guys. I wish I was winning some money. And do we have any other announcements? Oh, yeah, we have one more announcement. We're going to be in fucking Dallas, you guys, in August, the 26th through the 28th at the True Crime Podcast Festival. Come check us out. Which happens to be my birthday weekend. So if you want to party with me, Mm -hmm. come check us out at that event. Yeah, we're definitely event. I was about to say, we're definitely going to do something separately just to celebrate Kristen and to hang out with you guys. And yeah, you should definitely come out. Check it out at the website. I can't remember, but it's going to be in the description. And if you're on Patreon, it's going to be in the stream. Yes, Virgo season. Get with it. All right. Are you guys ready to get into this case? Because if yes, you're on Instagram, we you are. already know what it is. Okay. Yes, we are. Let's get into it. In the 1980s, the city of Miami was going through one of the worst racially segregated times in its history. The police were killing black people and the judges were just letting them off. The people were feeling angry and hopeless until a man came, a sadistic savior that offered a message of salvation, 
through caucus extermination. Join us as we discuss the megalomaniac that was Hulon Mitchell Jr. Whoa! Don't tell me this is a Nat, a Nat, a Nat Cole, a Nat King Cole. Anyway, the dude who went around killing all of the white masters and stuff. Don't tell me it's one of those. Um, it's definitely giving black supremacy. I don't know who Nat Cole was. <laughs> I'll look it up. But... I think it's Nat Turner, actually. Okay. Okay. I'll look that up too. Sorry. Sorry. Whoa. This is insane. The only reason I made that face of excitement is because one, we don't hear these stories often, Mm -hmm. um, but it still sucks to hear that, but we don't Mm -hmm. hear these type of stories often and I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. When I came across it, I was completely surprised. And this was actually recommended by a listener on YouTube. Let me get their name. Hold on. I'm about to say, shout them out, sis. Shout them out. Of course, I'm going to shout them out. I just have to find it for me. And it also seemed like a lot of people in our community knew what this case was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find it was in Miami. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was actually on Instagram. So shout out to Giovanna underscore Gibson. Hey, I know her. Hey, Giovanna. Thank you for this suggestion. It was really fun to research. Hulon Mitchell Jr. was born on October 27, 1935 in racist Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Mm. Kristen doesn't have anything for us today (laughs) because I forgot (laughs) to give her a date. And it's totally fine. There's a lot we need to get into anyway. Yes. Plus, I need to catch up on my TikTok videos. So, yeah, this is an ample. I accept this break. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. So he was born in Kingfisher, but he was raised north in Enid, Oklahoma, which was a segregated city as well. So just, you know, racism wherever you go. But it was 1935, so it was definitely that fucking vibe. Right. Expected. Mm -hmm. He was the oldest of 15, and he grew up in the church. His father was a preacher, and his mother played the piano, and they were Pentecostal. Mm. Okay, Pentecost. We're familiar with a little song. We speak the holy tongue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we believe in what happened in the upper room. Period. <laughs> he grew up extremely poor and like so poor they had to live in vacant places sometimes like, you know, houses, warehouses, stores, stuff like that. And their parents took any jobs they could to make ends meet. Mm. It's 15 kids, you know, I, she, I probably would have had to sell a little pussy. I mean, it's <laughs> too much. <laughs> The no thing shame. is, 15 kids, at least five of them better be working somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how she popped those. Good Lord. 15 kids, Kayla. Yeah. You know those memes where like somebody falls over something and then the POV from that something is like turkey lips or turkey turkey slices just slapping against each other? Like vagina? Yes, that's supposed to be the vagina lips. Kristen, I won't be doing this with you today, okay? We have too much to get into. I won't be doing it. Okay. Kristen, that was foul. Kayla, it's the truth. And there's so many of them. Like once there's a guitar is on the floor and the lady falls over the guitar and you see these turkey slices drumming the guitar. (laughs) Okay. People are so stupid. Okay. He was described as a moody kid. One minute he would be laughing and then the next minute like he'd be crying. Bipolar. (laughs) I wrote, it sounds a little bipolar to me. It's giving bipolar. But it's disorder. Yeah. In 1953, at the age of 18, he was drafted and enlisted as an airman. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. He married his high school sweetheart and they had four children in four years. Wow. So he was definitely taking after his father in that way. Yeah. It sounded like he had an agenda. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. I'm going to have a good job and we're going to live our life. Period. Right. Right. His time in the military really opened his eyes to the fucked up world we live in. Like how black men could go to war, fight and die for their country, but still can't even have a drink with like the same people they fought with. Yeah. It's just really fucked up. Mm. And after that, he really started paying closer attention to Malcolm X. Okay. After the war or whatever, I don't know if he was in the war, but after the military, he felt like really angry and impatient. And the Bible teaches you that like riches will come to you in heaven or whatever. And he just decided that I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait until heaven to receive these riches because he felt like he deserved them. Mm. So that's when things really started to switch over. Well, if you're sitting there fighting for the white man and all they're doing is disrespecting you and then people are making Jesus seem like a white man. I can see why he's like, yeah, goodbye. Next. Yeah. Right. As he got older, like I said, he started to pay closer attention to Malcolm. And Malcolm was the high priest of black nationalism at the time. And that's within like the nation of Islam, I believe. A part of it. I don't know. There were so many different things going on back then. He was the more extreme organization, the extreme Americanized version of Islam. Okay. That's Malcolm. Okay. So he was following Malcolm so close that he started to actually emulate him and started focusing on developing a way for black people to essentially rise to the place of power that he believed they were supposed to be in. He even started referring to himself as X. Ooh. Yeah. And as Shaw. I don't really know what Shaw means, but obviously it's like a, a term of endearment, a title of endearment. Okay. Have you ever heard that song Stand by Eminem? No. Okay. Well, it's giving that. Oh. Basically, the guy in the song is writing a letter to Eminem and saying, like, hey, I love you, bro. Like, I want to be like you. Like, we could have been together. And Eminem wasn't responding to his letter, so he was starting to get pissed off. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, he was basically saying, you know, we could have been together. We could have been this and that. And he was driving himself and his pregnant girlfriend in the trunk off a cliff. Okay. And that's what it's giving? <laughs> yeah, because the guy was like, he felt like he was like, you know, me and you have so much in common. We're alike. We could be okay. together. It was just giving obsession. Okay, okay, okay. I'm Okay, I can pick that up. Hulan's plan was simple. There needed to be a spiritual base to the movement, and the focus had to be on understanding and implementing financial literacy while uplifting black people. So just essentially showing black people that they can do better and deserve better than what I guess the white folk or the white man at the time wanted them to believe, okay. which I can get behind, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. Hulan was considered to be a visionary and a conceptualizer. Things that I think small-minded like Enid Oklahoma just wasn't going to get behind. So he had to fucking leave and he decided to take his ideals and charisma to the city of Miami. Hmm, what a place to go. I don't think we've done a case from Miami yet. I don't remember one. Yeah, shout out to Miami. Well, first, okay, he didn't technically go straight to Miami. He went to like Orlando and other places. And in Orlando, he had people start to call him Brother Love. Okay. And in Atlanta, people were calling him Father Michael. So he was not Hulon anymore. That was gone in the wind. And he found like this 
type of like power within himself that he's really, I guess, getting people to see as well at this point. Cool. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention that Brother Love kind of sounds familiar because Diddy was going by Brother Love. For I was about to bit, say that he? sounds so familiar. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Diddy? Now that no, not Diddy. I mean, I don't really like Diddy. You know, I never really liked Diddy. But as par- as far as why he called himself Brother Love, if he knew about the history behind the name and who used it and what they did, mm-hmm. you know, because Diddy was definitely alive when this was going on. I know he knew. So let's continue because what <laughs> happened? Okay. So Hulon started growing his following almost as soon as he touched down in Miami. He created an ideology based off of Christianity that uncovered the lies he felt that the white men had taught us. So you know he grew up Pentecostal and being that he was so devout, he knew the Bible basically inside and out. And he was able to take the parts that he felt would speak to his rhetoric and his ideals and essentially put it all together. So for instance, most drawings, paintings, and pictures of Jesus today are like of a white man, right? With long brown hair. Mm -hmm. When if you think about where everything happened technically in the Bible, he should have darker skin and he should at least be a person of color, you know? Right. He was not of the root of the caucus. At all. And there's an excerpt in the Bible that literally shows you that. I mean, there's excerpts in history. Even people that aren't religious are like, you know, this is fact. This nigga wasn't white. No, he wasn't white. Kristen, please. Jesus. Jesus. I was about to say Jesus. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. As he created his ideology ideology and literature. Bitch, I can't say ideology. No, you can't. I can't. As he created his ideology and literature, he meaning, you know, Hulan, he included passages from the Bible that made his claim seem more true. For example, Job 30.30, which says, my skin was black upon me. Okay, that's really just the part that speaks to that is what he's saying, you know? And then Revelations 1, 13 through 15 describes Jesus' hair to be like wool and his feet were like burnished bronze. So just things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And he'd end up calling his little literature pamphlet, whatever, Yahweh, God of gods, our true history, the world's best kept secret. Wow. Now that's enticing. I was about to say, hearing that, I'm like, bitch, I'm popping that open. Just yeah, to see I what it do and what it did. Mm-hmm. What am I missing here? And a lot of people were christened enticed. And they had a little help as to why they were so enticed at this time. The police brutality was just a fucking nightmare. It was at an all-time high, and shit was getting really heated in Miami. Mm-hmm. For instance, a couple things that happened were in January of 1979, a white state trooper sexually violated an 11-year-old black girl, and he only received three years probation. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm already flipping the table from that, and that's like the first. I was like, that was the worst. The first and the worst. And the worst. The next injustice happened just one month later when investigators entered the home of a black school teacher with a search warrant, but it was the wrong house. Rest in peace to Breonna Taylor and rest in peace to Amir Locke because they both lost their lives recently in similar situations. Yeah. And it's what, like almost like fully 50, 60 years later. This is fucked up. The school teacher was severely injured during the whole ordeal, but a grand jury found that the person who was probably, let's be real, white, 
did nothing wrong. They didn't do anything criminally wrong. They were just a little negligent. Wow, just a little negligent. <laughs> and then, and that's more than what they fucking did for Breonna Taylor. You know, fucking in 2020. Yeah, yeah. In September of the same year, police killed a 22-year-old black man and was only found ne- negligent for that crime as well. Just, Just disgusting. Crazy. And this is giving people like Hulan ammo, bro. A hundred percent. To make people think that you have no other choice but to like band with other black people that think like you and essentially overthrow i don't know white people yeah because it's like it's so much pain and like how do you deal with this pain you either deal with pain via love or via hate yeah and hate is obviously way easier to do yeah but the last motherfucking straw happened on december 1st 1979 when police pulled over arthur mcduffie who was a black realtor i think i saw that he was either a black realtor or an insurance agent at the time bless his heart right and he was on his motorcycle and he allegedly ran a red light so long story short they chased him down and literally beat him to death wow four officers were arrested for the crime they were tried and were acquitted on may 18th 1980 So after that, the black community literally were just fucking enraged and destroyed that whole city. Period. And I wish I was there to help because (laughs) that type of stuff, like Kayla, it infuriates me. Yeah. I think that's a situation, all that happening in one year and in one city. Can you imagine? It's like, okay, so at this point you don't you don't even emulate a bit of respect. No, you don't care about our lives. So why should we care about your streets? Yeah, yeah, let's fucking fuck this town, you know? Mess it up. Off mm-hmm. with their heads. <laughs> Hulan, who was going by Ak Moshe at this time. Okay, well, which... he's doing too much. Kristen, <laughs> 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 the thing is, you haven't even seen what he's looking like for real, for real. Let me let see. Me, I'm about to say, let me put you on, bitch. All these different names and stuff. Father this, brother that, Akmo. Mm. Tomato. it's just too much that's that's what he's going by right now um told his followers that he knew those white men would go free and that the city was going to be destroyed by flames but he didn't want his followers to be a part of all that shenanigan mm. now by 1980 hulan flock was thick okay all of the racism and murders that was happening only drew black people toward hulan's message of black supremacy let's be real that's exactly what it is Mm -hmm. it's the exact opposite of white supremacy Mm -hmm. he and his followers are now able to meet at the joseph caleb center in miami okay so now he has enough people to like actually have a place to go because at first he was just going around the town and just having his gatherings wherever he could meet the funny thing is, like, looking at him, he doesn't even look that black. No, I, I, to be honest, didn't think that he was straight up just black. Yeah, it's given something else. Something mixed a little bit. And as his following grew, so did the money in his pocket. Oh. And by November of 1981, Hulon had enough money to buy a building that he named the Temple of Love. Mm. Now, was he taking tithes and offering to get this money? Is that something he took from the good book? He probably was, you know how cool people are. They'll find a way to get money out of you, okay? (laughs) And this wasn't just like a building, okay? It was a 15,000 square foot space. 
Like it used, it used to be a grocery store. It was a warehouse. It was just a lot of space. And it was where him and his followers were living at one point. Okay. And it was also the heart of the riots. So I don't know why he was like, oh, I don't want you guys involved, but I'm going to put you right in the middle of the shit. Because mm, he had a plan. So let's take a look at some of his followers because I don't think we've taken a look at them yet. So this is what they were looking like, sister. Girl, I know somebody who dresses up like that and goes to the mosque. Kristen, shut the fuck up. Who? I'm dead serious. Don't put this on here. No. And her family, like they're Muslims or whatever, but they, they dress in all white and they go to services specifically for like their all white get up. She'll post it on Facebook and they be looking like KKK, but you know they ain't KKK because they're black folk. Right. But dead serious be looking just like this. Kristen girl but maybe maybe it's just a coincidence maybe islams have a ceremony where they dress up in all white and go hopefully yeah so by 1982 hulan's head was big as hell let's just say that he really started to turn into something else okay and he wouldn't be ak moshe for much longer hmm according to an ex-follower named amani well khalil amani was his name in an interview, he said, quote, he was calling himself Yahshua, the Messiah. Yahshua is a Hebrew rendering of the word Jesus. Then one day, only a few months after announcing himself as Yahshua in front of two or three hundred people in the temple, he came out in the middle and he said, how many of you know who I am? One brother screams out, that's Yahweh right there. And there was screaming and shouting and crying. It was a scene out of a holiness church, end quote. I could never glorify a man to that extent no. or a woman or a them or they. No, sister. And even when we were in the cult, the person that was that figure, I don't even think his rhetoric had reached that point when we were in the cult. But I definitely know now since doing the research and seeing his new sermons on YouTube and stuff like that, he's definitely gotten to the point of saying out of his mouth if you want to make it to heaven when jesus comes back you have to be a follower of me like that has come out of his mouth which like is just he is the way so opposite of the good book yeah. but you know what people like to follow people that they can feel and see mm -hmm. and it's in it and it's more comfortable to believe that hey the lord would send somebody in flesh and blood for me to follow toward him mm-hmm because they'd be like, well, if he did it with Jesus, he can do it with someone else. It's just a lot going on right now. And we've seen this before. We've covered Peter Moses Jr. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. If you haven't listened to our episode on him, it was number 12. And I don't even think Kristen was here for that episode yet. But there's definitely a lot of similarities within their belief system and the like gradual increase in control and power and therefore violence. Mm, was that when you were a wino? Okay. <laughs> anyway. So with Hulan, we see that he's gone from high priest or like leader to Yahshua or Jesus. And now he is God himself. Okay, we're doing, everyone's doing a bit much. Even Malcolm X didn't consider himself God. Yeah, and he was like, that's the thing. The hardest part is being in a situation where there is validity. Like there are some truths in it. And that's how I think they really lure people in. Mm -hmm. Feed them a little bit of truth with the lies. Yep, the meat the lotion in the basket. 
It does what it is told. <laughs> was that Buffalo Bill or was that Hannibal? That was Buffalo Bill. Oh. When he would like lure the thing down here where he was creepy laughing like a fucking. Yeah. Yeah, Kelly, you're so smart. Thank you. How? You just remember things. It's just insane. Thank you. And it wasn't just his followers that were drinking the Kool-Aid at this point. Now everybody in the city was. The media, the community. Hulon had made himself known as a real estate developer in the area. Kristen, he was buying hotels, restaurants, apartment buildings, bitch, stores. He became a member of the Chamber of Commerce. Wow, it's giving the Black Mafia. He is doing everything he can to like wiggle his little gross, nasty, pedophilic fucking fingers into everything and really have influence in the community. And the thing is, if he didn't have just such a horrible story that's to come, I would be like, go ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at least we have some type of representation, someone looking out for us. Yeah, I'm not finding too much issue with what he's doing right now. You know, a little bit with the whole I am God thing. Well, that's just gross. If you can think whatever you want, you can think you're a horse, you know, I don't care. <laughs> but as long as it's not like hurting other people, mm. there would even be a day, a day proclaimed after him. It will be called Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. And there was a celebration at the Miami arena. People do the utmost. There was like over 500 people that showed up. <laughs> Seriously crazy. T. Willard Fair, who is the former chairman of the State Board of Education, Kristen, and is the current president of the Greater Miami Urban League, said this about Hulon in 2008. So this was after everything happened. Okay. Okay. Oh, and by the way, he's been calling himself Yahweh Ben Yahweh now. After that moment that we spoke about that Khalil described to us how he was calling himself Yahweh, everyone now refers to him as Yahweh Ben Yahweh. <laughs> Quote, when Yahweh Ben Yahweh came on the scene, he had the ability to move and change what could be done in my community. We were just coming out of the segregated past and he was the first real ray of hope and was saying to folks that it was up to us to control our destiny. But I did react to him trying to mobilize and galvanize the black community to begin to become economically sufficient and his ability to purchase and operate commercial property as well as rental property so basically he's just speaking to his businessman capabilities mm -hmm. he was like this not really focused on what he's thinking religiously focus on anthropically anthropologically and is that the word no okay <laughs> well either way i see how that can draw people in because you're speaking things that like people want to be a part of we want to be black you know um financially autonomic Mm -hmm. We want to, you know, know uh, autonomous. Thank you. We want to mm -hmm. know that black people are making money out here in these streets that we can buy property. So seeing this black man do it, I'm sure it was like, oh, my God, what is he doing? And how do I get involved? Exactly. Even if you disagree with some of the stuff that he's talking about. Slash most of the core of what he's teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, he went on to say. We shared the same kind of economic empowerment about Black Dade County, and therefore I was intrigued about his idea about transferring his philosophy into reality and not being dependent on the system, end quote. So basically, like, fuck welfare, we can do this on our own. Period. Love it. Just to let you guys know, though, if anyone with a God complex, you just stay clear of, okay? Just in general, because it could turn really fucking dark really fucking quick. It's literally the definition of narcissist. Thank you. 
Yahweh was writing hella books at this time and he had his own publishing company to put out those books. So he was just making money on the back ends, back end. Girl, like yeah. it's giving, but it's just the wrong person who's giving it. Mm-hmm. And his followers called now the nation of Yahweh were becoming more and more dedicated to him. Amani, who's the guy we talked about, Khalil, the ex-follower, said, quote, looking at him, he had these piercing eyes. I thought that the strangest thing was his eyes. As a black man, his eyes weren't black folk eyes, which were either dark brown or black. His eyes were hazel, blue, or gray, very light colored, and would facilitate between those colors. He would say in class that Jesus had eyes that were like a flame of fire, which further added to my resolve that I am in the presence of Jesus, end quote. Oh my God. You said hazel green. (laughs) Which one of them colors has to do with fire? Kristen, he... It it definitely has to do with more so eyes, but at the end of the day, people will see what they want to see at the end of the day. A hundred percent, Kristen. And when I saw a picture of his father, his his father was definitely light or like dark skin, black, you know. So I don't know if his mom was light skin or whatever, but but people are saying like he's different, and mm-hmm. like maybe that means he could be of God. Yeah, yeah. Now, at this point in the case, you're probably like, Kayla, what the fuck? Like, nothing is really bad has happened. Why are you blowing all this smoke up our ass? But I'm not. You know we wouldn't be covering it if it wasn't worth it. And it's about to get worth it, okay? Uh So, Kristen, are you ready? My stomach hurts. Can we take a break? Oh, yeah. Let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So by 1986, Hulan was worth $9 million. Wow, Hulan. 1986, $9 million is probably like $90 million. No, it's $23 million today. Oh, that's not bad. But it's still a good chunk of change, especially, you know, for a black man. Come on. Absolutely. And, and he had about 300 active Yahweh followers in Miami itself. Now, those numbers could be bigger, but I know for sure he had members in different cities as well because he was sending the men out to go and preach his word spread his word and create new groups like under hulon so at this point he was on top of the world and with the men gone he could do whatever he wanted to the women oh wow here it comes and as we you know it's no surprise Cult leaders are always fucking disgusting when it comes to sex. And he was no exception. He was touching girls and actually having sex with young girls as young as 10. You know what? Mm-hmm. This is disgusting. And that's why you don't put your faith in no man. Never. Never. Honey chow. And the public eyes started to like squint at him. Okay. They started to look at him and be like, something's going on and we need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. His rhetoric has started to change, suggesting that he himself, Kristen, listen to this, rose from the dead to be the Messiah the black Americans needed in order to be liberated from white, quote, domination, which like is gross. Corny, I hate bro. that word. But yet you're sitting over here playing with little girls. 
You think yeah. my Jesus would do that? I'd slap you in your shoes. <laughs> Y'all, don't play it. Kristen doesn't play about her Lord, okay? Period. She just but doesn't. I respect you for your opinions and your beliefs. 100% every time. Look at him. And look at him, Kristen. I was just about to say, oh, he just Chuck seems e. Cheese like, mouth ass. If you don't have the power of discernment, which is just like you're really in tune with energies and things like that, you wouldn't even notice that this man was a fucking con artist, disgusting rapist, shithole. But his mouth gives me throat goat. His mouth gives Uh, me... (laughs) uh, Excuse me? Yeah, I went there. His mouth gives me... (laughs) (laughs) The wind-up mouth toy. His mouth gives me it's been on a lot of things it shouldn't have been on. Ew, it's I don't want to smack him in it. That's what it's giving. And when body parts started popping up in Miami, people and police started to question what is really going on in the Temple of Love. And if Hulon had gone too far. Uh, what? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, let's take a couple steps back, okay? Because I know that was a lot. So, Hulon started to abuse his power really early within the cult. We already talked about how he was full-blown raping young girls, you know, and probably the older women as well. Just any female he could get his hands on. And we don't know if it was exclusively female, let's be honest. right. He was also controlling their lives in every other aspect. So who they could have sex with, how they could dress, when the sex could happen. It got so bad that he was actually forcing men to like be circumcised if they were a part of the cult. And if they weren't, he had to perform the surgery himself. <laughs> that would have been a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Kristen, how was that? And the funny thing is that goes back to a story in the Bible um, about this family, their their daughter got raped by a guy and then the guy ended up wanting to marry her. <gasps> and the sons basically like went over and killed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then um, his, you know, the, the, the father was like, why did you go over there and kill all the people? He was like, because he raped our freaking sister. Are you joking? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, if we want to pair the two families, meaning if we want to make peace with the two families, then all of them have have to get circumcised all of the men in that tribe have to be circumcised grown tail men and they did it wow that's like probably equivalent to i don't know bitch as a grown man something that is a part of you and just having it completely cut off of your your most most sensitive sensitive member member. kristen (laughs) you owe me a soda (laughs) i can't make this up Okay. All right, guys. He also started to become more and more radical in his speech toward white people. He'd refer to them as white devils, which is something he always did. But now he designated a part of his inner circle called the Circle of Ten to get rid of the white devils. Oh. And if you wanted to be a part of the group, you had to kill a white person and bring their ears back to him as proof. Oh, wow. That's what I'm saying. Like, with the body parts and the bodies popping up. Yeah. Why ears, though? Great question. I think he was telling his people to smite them. So it was either you bring ears or the head. Like when Peter smote that dog on guard for trying to take Jesus away, he cut off his ear. 
Oh, there you go, Kristen. See, you know, girl, you know it. You know it. I don't know anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, he smitted him. That's fine. Like, I don't know. And then she said smitted. <laughs> I don't know. I need to do better. Wow. That is insane, Kayla. He's pulling things from Christianity, but then yeah. swearing he's an Islam. Like, yeah. I told Islamic you. Islamic people was- would be ashamed of him. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I haven't taken a, a look at the Quran, but yeah, he's really twisted it up. Wow. He also considered those people, you know, like his his inner circle, his bodyguards, because he always had a bodyguard, bitch. That was one thing. He would call them his death angels. Who do you think you are? You have death angels. Who the fuck are you? Kristen, he's Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Who do you think he is? I'll pull your scrotum like they did on <laughs> Blue. <laughs> On blue streak. And I'll put a hundred and ten percent. Don't play with me. But yeah, so he's just really fucking dark and fucked up and gross and we hate him. And the thing that's so crazy is he just had a little bit of charisma. He was just a little smart. He took the time to study something and twist it to fit his narrative. And all of a sudden he has all of this stuff. He's a fucking millionaire. He has followers and followers and followers that are willing to do anything for him and that takes skill no matter who you are yeah it's just sad though that he went that fucking way okay so because some of the nation of yahweh members had to commit murders in order to essentially please their yahweh bodies started to be found in wastelands outside of the city with some of their ears missing so a 61-year-old white mechanic named Raymond Kelly had one ear completely removed and one partially severed when he was found. Mm. Hulon was even encouraging his members to kill defectors, meaning people that had left the group. So in 1981, a former member named Aston Green was found decapitated in the Florida Everglades. Wow. With his head propped up next to his body. How is this? And this lines up with God and getting right. to heaven and, and Yahweh. At this point, they're blind now. Now they can't even see what they're dealing with. It's in, they're in too deep. Yeah. His body was covered in shoe marks like he'd been like literally stomped and his face was badly beaten. Wow. So rest in peace, Aston. Rest in peace. And to 61-year-old Raymond. According to Khalil... The ex-member we mentioned already, he saw members viciously beat Aston and then wrap him in a rug and put him in the trunk of a car. And from that moment, he just, I guess, assumed that they were going to kill him, you know, decapitate him and kill him. Mm -hmm. Aston had two roommates, Carlton Carey and Mildred Banks. They were an inseparable couple and actually witnessed the attack on Aston. So listen to what Mildred had to say about it. I remember coming to and seeing them drag Michelle out. And I remember saying to myself, they're going to cut his head off. And I remember saying to myself, I got to get help. But the phones were down. Just really, really sad. And it's like, why would she just automatically say they're going to cut his head off? They had to have done it to other people. Right. She had that seen it done before. That's sad, man. After the murder, the couple were questioned by police at the station, and once they returned, they were ambushed at their own home. Carlton was shot and killed, and Mildred was shot and stabbed with a machete. Wow. Were they defectors too? No, they just 
like I said, they went to the police because they were being questioned. They were roommates of Aston and Aston was just killed. So it's like, of course, they're going to be pulled in. Duh. That's why I'm like, you didn't even ask no questions. But you just attack. You never know. Maybe he had members that were within the police system or, you know, police force and told him, hey, they're snitching or whatever. Who knows? Maybe he was just a fucking paranoid shit Mm -hmm. and just decided to take him out. It wouldn't be the first or the last time because a member named Leonard Dupree was beaten to death at the Temple of Love by a group of members, actually, who thought that he was working with the police or he was a black Muslim informant. Wow. So you swear by your own kind, this, that, and the third, but really quick, we'll turn Turn on on if they don't believe what you believe. It's not about love. It's about literally blind loyalty. That's what it is. Submission control and the violence didn't stop instead of helping the community the group started terrorizing it also rest in peace carlton or what's his name sorry yeah carlton we don't really believe in what they were believing in obviously you know black supremacy is not is no better than fucking white supremacy but at the end of the day i don't like to see people fucking murdered period it's ridiculous white or black right People that lived in apartment complexes owned by Hulan would regularly be kicked out to make room for Yahweh members. So they could be well within their fucking lease and they'd just be like, nah, get the fuck out. Hmm. And some of these tenants were getting fed the fuck up. In May of 1986, a group of Yahwehs were attacked, I guess, because they were, <laughs> the neighborhood people were like, listen, Beach, you're not going to keep trying to play me. And they whooped their ass for a little bit. Period. But as for revenge... They returned to the neighborhood at night and burned down like four houses. Wow. Houses yeah. that he freaking owns. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he owned it. Mm-hmm. But I do know that he claimed that Yahweh members had nothing to do with it. And then he just gave the victims um, families money that were affected by it. That's what he did. So. It's textbook. Like this is what men of power do to blind you, to control you, to manipulate you. Yeah. And it happens every single day. And we're all just like, you know, making puppet excuses strings. for them. Sad. Not I, said the rabbit. Bitch. I'm out that hamster wheel. <laughs> On September 20th, 1986, a man named Cecil Branch was found stabbed over a dozen times in his home. His ears were removed and he was bound and gagged with his strips with strips of his bedsheet. Mm. It was fucking dark. I have a picture. Oh my. So from this picture, I can't really tell. This is the only picture I could find. It looks like Cecil was Caucasian. Yeah, he does look Caucasian. Ugh, it's graphic. Jeez Louise. Yeah. He was apparently killed for confronting and knocking down a female Yahweh member. Mm. So, you know, keep your motherfucking hands up to yourself. No shape. That same year, they attempted to evict two men from an apartment on 131st Street, and the men weren't going for it. These are black men, too. Okay. A struggle and then gunfire ensued, and when the smoke cleared, Anthony Brown and Rudolph Broussard would be dead. Really sad. Like, bleeding out. This is is what I'm saying. Like, you feel like you're safe. You feel like you're in a black-owned, you know, establishment, and it's the very people that you feel safe with are the very people who come for your neck. A hundred percent. It's gangs. You know, gangs terrorize their communities. It's not empowerment. You're killing each other. Yeah. It's never going to work. It's literally a cycle. 
At this point, the police know that all roads are going to lead to Yahweh, okay? Every single connection, every single person has some type of connection to Yahweh. And with some type of detective skills that they actually decided to use that were useful, I don't know what they were, they decided to arrest Robert Rozier for the two murders. And he was, Robert was a former NFL football player who joined the group in the early 80s. Hmm. Yeah, he just wasn't built to last, Chris. He just wasn't. He would quickly flip and work with the FBI. <laughs> so he is the black Muslim informant that everybody was so afraid of. It could have been him, honestly. Wow. Yeah. He just wasn't built, Kristen. He wasn't built like that. He would go on to testify against the cult while admitting the part he played in at least four murders. So, you know, he was really like, the game is over. I have to tell what the fuck is going on. Yep, there's always a weak link. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. By the end of it, Yahweh, Ben Yahweh, would be attached to extortion, arson, racketeering, attempted murder, and at least 14 specific murders. I wonder if Rico was around back then. No. Because he would have been hemmed up. I don't think it was. Mm. But I also don't think they were even using Rico when it came to certain like cults and stuff like that. You know, I think it's a different vibe. Okay. When you put religion into it. Mm, okay. And after conducting an operation they called Operation Jericho, the FBI arrested Hulon Mitchell on racketeering and conspiracy to commit murder charges. Wow. Good. Mm -hmm. He's locked up. Mm -hmm. Remember when I mentioned how there was like a Yahweh bin Yahweh day in Miami? Yeah. Well, probably a little over a month after that happened, he was arrested. And this is him. I think that's the mayor of Miami actually like with him schmoozing and <laughs> laughing it up. Little did you know, you idiot. <laughs> he probably terrorized your city. He probably did know. Yeah. I saw a video clip of them taking a picture together at like some giveaway. And he's like, the mayor was like, this isn't a political shot. And he's like, well, you know, who knows? Maybe in a year. I was like, can I fucking throw up? People make deals with the devil all the time. Every day, sister. Every day. So the trial, it was time for the trial. And the media was loving every minute of the details, all of the dark shit. Not to mention the really strange shit that was going on while the trial was going on. What was Assistant, going on? I'm about to tell you. Assistant DA Richard Scruggs, the lead prosecutor on the case, had a secretary named Pamela Crumpler. Crumpler! And on February 21st, 1992, a little over a month into the trial, she was shot and killed at her front door. Oh, wow. Apparently, okay. apparently three men approached her and shot her just once. She was just shot one time and she died from the bullet wound. And police chopped it up to just a botched robbery. It's like a fluke fucking accident. And I'm like, there's nothing fluke. They didn't even rob her. They just went to her and shot her. That's and what literally what did they the take? case is going on now. Like, did you not put two and two together? It's just, there's no coincidences in those type of situations. She went to get groceries before she went home from work and somehow three men run up on her. Yeah. You know, miss me with it. Yeah. Thank you. And then another state witness was run over by a train. Kayla, how? I don't know. So maybe someone pushed them, bitch. You know, they be doing that shit in New York all the time. <laughs> I didn't know that. Actually. All the time. Chris, Every other week, somebody's going to push on some fucking train tracks. 
Why would you go out there with said person who's pushing you? <laughs> wait, wait a minute now. It's very random. Like it'd be random people on the platform waiting for their plan, their trains, and they just push people onto the. Bitch, there was something in the, in the papers this week. Oh my gosh! This yes, is, you're being serious, Chris. I'm dead ass. Where have you been? Y'all, Kristen lives in a rock and a hard place. Between I, where, the two. I, where I live is close to paradise. <laughs> Except for when I come on this damn show. <laughs> Don't do us like that. Don't do us like that. I'm just going to just play, I'm just playing. But no, like, I didn't know that was a thing. I can't believe people do that. People, people are, are wicked. <laughs> and I can see little kids doing it, to be honest. Same. Shout out to little kids. Shout out to <laughs> Taylor, goodbye. <laughs> okay. So during the trial, over 100 witnesses testified, one of them being Robert Rosier. Rosier. The Let snitch. Me put him on <laughs> well, I'm glad he snitched. Are you? Yeah. I mean, how else would Hulan have been taken off the streets? Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they had other evidence, and we're going to get to that. But it seemed like Robert was the smoking gun. Well... We're going to get to that in a second. Okay. And he got the nerve to still wear his white getup. You Girl. snitching. They don't want to see you when they close. <laughs> like, are you still a believer? I'm confused. He was fully excommunicadoed and he's still in the getup. He's and still got that proud shit on. Too. And look at, look at motherfucking uh, Oolong. What's his name? Hulon. <laughs> that was Hulon. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, Robert testified, and as part of his deal, he pleaded guilty to the second-degree murder of four people and was sentenced to 22 years for his crimes. Mm. The defense, however, questioned Robert's credibility from the jump. They tried to suggest he was just a scorned ex-member. They even suggested that he was, in fact, the one that had the God complex, and it wasn't Hulan. And he was the one that was actually killing people. Apparently, he'd been murdering people since before he joined the cult. (laughs) And they had no evidence to really support these claims. Even the state prosecutor, he was like, if you have evidence to say I can send Robert's ass to jail because I can't fucking stand his ass. Chris, there was so much drama in Akita's case. I can't even get into all of it. Robert and the state. Watch what you watched. I actually didn't watch anything about this. I read about it. It was a lot of research. Okay. (laughs) But yes, he was. Robert and the state attorney could not get along for shit. They couldn't even be in the same room to each o- with each other by the end of it. So it was really, really bad. But Which said- means Robert was definitely telling them beliefs about what the heck he believed and probably wasn't shy about it. A hundred percent. He was racist. <laughs> so you're going to, you know, two racists in a room on the opposite sides of the table. Gonna it's not going to go the right way, you mm-hmm. know. One of Hulan's daughters, her name was Vanita Mitchell, said about Robert, quote, Robert Rozier is a paid liar. The government paid him and others to lie. They received money to lie, to testify against Yahweh ben Yahweh. The murders happened when Ro- with Robert Rozier himself. Before he came to the nation of Yahweh, he had already killed several men. My girl, who told you this? I was about to say, and the thing is, she was born before he became Yahweh Ben Yahweh. So she really is just cuckoo for fucking Cocoa Puffs and is drinking the Kool-Aid and the tea. And to be honest, there's a lot of people out there like that waiting on a savior. Yeah. To be like in flesh and blood. Yeah. And to deep throat every day. 
Kristen, we're not gonna. All right, let's just keep going. Prosecutor Richard Scruggs. Kristen, Scruggs. don't look at me in my face. <laughs> I won't. Yo, Chris is in rare form. Scruggs. Prosecutor Richard Scruggs later said, quote, you can't imagine all the stuff that came out at that trial. Some things are so bad that we didn't even show the jury. I thought they were too bad to show, end quote. Yeah, so he had, yeah, girl, he had a couple of the ears in a jar, bitch. He could have showed them at trial, but he was like, I'm not going to show them. There was images from, you know, the murder scene of, um, was it, I'm sorry, his name is escaping me. Carlton? Yes, Carlton, as well as Aston, because he was beheaded, you know, as well as the other guy that lost his life. I can't remember his name. The Cecil, Cecil Branch. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Heartbreaking. On May 29th, 1992, after deliberating for five days, the jury found Hulon Mitchell guilty of racketeering and conspiracy. So. Bye. Mm-hmm. they acquitted him of the racketeering charge the other one because it meant linking him like directly to the murders and mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't want to do that and he was sentenced to 18 years in federal prison that's it yes Kristen. because they only got him on racketeering and conspiracy so who, who knows what racketeering charges usually should cover but yeah because they didn't convict him federally for any of the murders well that's sad Mm-hmm. Six of his followers were convicted of racketeering conspiracy charges. Seven others were acquitted of all charges, and the jury was deadlocked on two of the other defendants. So they were just declared as mistrials. Mm-hmm. This case was so messy because there were so many moving parts, so many people involved, and I really think the prosecution dropped the ball. They didn't have the resources to really investigate it fully, and they were literally in bullheaded arguments fights with the fbi and the state government so it was just not in the best interest of the victims at all Mm. now the state wants to take a crack at him for the murder of cecil branch they don't really have solid evidence to say hey he had involvement on the other one so they're just trying to see what they can get to stick to him right they didn't get anything to stick to him (laughs) he was acquitted of those charges so he only had to serve the 18 years and he's thinking yeah 18 years sabbatical. So be it. It's a little vacay. When 9-11 happened, Hulon was listed as a terrorist and was moved to solitary confinement until his release shortly after the attack. Okay. Now listen to this, Kristen. Here's something really interesting. The prosecutor, remember Scruggs? Yeah. Scruggs. There you go. He said in an interview, listen to this, quote, I will tell you a story that I've never told outside of law enforcement. We had two witnesses who refused to testify that told us that they were demonstration murders so that it would be recorded in records and in newspapers so that someone could tell that a group had done it, that Yahweh Ben Yahweh was doing it for Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. So that was like the Libyan leader at the time. Okay. The Libyans were looking for a hit group to act on their behalf in the United States according to two witnesses, was that when Yahweh bin Yahweh met with certain religious figures, he was introduced to the Libyan agent that wanted to deal with someone more subtle. The murders, unbeknownst to the people committing the murders, were demonstration murders for the Libyans to show that he could have people killed and have it done quietly, end quote. 
Now, it sounds like a little bit of a stretch, but he also said that there was money that would randomly appear in Hulan's bank accounts that the federal government couldn't track. So if the federal government can't track it, but somebody is is doing something. Somebody got somebody who's hacking and transmitting and hiding. And doing some things, some strange things with some change. And that takes heavy power and influence. And money. Not to mention, Hulan was released from prison on parole in 2001 after the attack. So the attack was in September 2001. There's only yeah. three months left. So yeah. then it goes out. Wow. So you never know. It's just something to think about. I'm a conspiracy theory type of gal, so I love that type of shit. I mean, but the thing is, nobody ever tells us the truth. So no. all we can do is speculate. try to come up. Yeah, speculate and come up with the truth. Yeah, and I will continue to do it. Period. It's fun. When he was released, he moved into a four-bedroom house in Miami that was owned by the nation of Yahweh, of course, and was shortly after diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm. He said once about himself, quote, I was alive before I was born. What Yahweh has in him, I have in me. I have life eternal. Therefore, you cannot kill me and I cannot die. End quote. Okay. Elon we'll died <laughs> <laughs> from prostate cancer on May 7th, 2007. And he lay in hell where at he the age of 71. <laughs> <laughs> and he blamed the government for giving him that too. So I'm cracking yeah. up. Yeah. Which the government can definitely probably give you cancer easily. They have it in a vial somewhere. Come on now. That's called chemical warfare. 100%. Biological warfare. Excuse there me. you go. There you go. But yeah, sister, as you said, hopefully he's in hell, not resting well. <laughs> <laughs> like, but the, at, but real talk, like, isn't that crazy how someone who did so much damage can just go out in by natural causes? Yeah. Just and live a full dirty nasty life because you know he was probably doing fucked up shit to the end in that creepy ass house yeah nobody ever you know got him convicted for touching little girls there's so much stuff that he didn't get judged for but i hope he's getting judged now by your lord and savior whatever he believed in the very person (laughs) that you swore you were yep there you go sister so remember robert the guy that snitched yeah well, he served 10 of the 22-year sentence and was released in 1996. And as part of the deal he made, he was placed in witness protection after mm. he was released. Because those Yahweh members, they're still kicking around today, and they wanted to kill his ass for snitching. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He, his name was changed to Robert Ramesses, and he moved to Cali. Well, five years later, he was rearrested for felony check fraud... Okay, he wrote he wrote bad checks for like dumb shit like groceries and to get new brake pads on his car. And the checks added up to twenty two hundred dollars. And for this, the judge sentenced him to twenty five years to life in prison. That's so stupid. The judge said, quote, you were home free, free of the death penalty. And still you went back to committing crimes, end quote. I mean, totally, I get that. But it's also like nigga needed some food. Like he needed some footprints <laughs> on his freaking car. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, when you literally plead guilty to killing four people, like in cold blood, and then you go and you don't even have to spend the rest of your fucking life in prison. Right. Which like, you should have, he should have faced the death penalty. You know what I'm saying? Period. Even just admitting that he did the two murders, mm-hmm. he would have been out of there. Yep. 
So I would have lived in the woods with no car, a tent, <laughs> and you a couldn't dog. find me, bitch. Like before, I'm ever going back to jail. A hundred percent. Wow. One of the acquitted members of the cult named Maurice Simon. Simonet, Simonette, who gives a shit, is still a believer and can even be seen in this picture at Trump's rally. When Trump was running, he's in the back, Chris, and the only black man in the picture. <laughs> and he has up a sign that says, Blacks for Trump by 2020. Lord help us. Lord help us all. He said the only reason he was supporting Trump is because Hulan told him to. In an interview, Maurice said, quote, Yahweh Ben Yahweh told us in 1984 that Trump was Cyrus. He said one day he is going to run for president, end quote. And then he went on to describe how they saw Trump get out of a limbo one day in um, Broadway, you know, in New York. Mm -hmm. And Hulan pointed and said, quote, that's Cyrus right there. One day he's going to run for president and you need to support him, end quote. Kayla, ew. And the thing is, okay, so if you guys don't know who Cyrus is, bitch, I didn't. Cyrus was someone that God basically destined to be the one to free the Hebrews and send them back to Palestine so they could, you know, rebuild. Mm -hmm. So essentially, Trump was going to send us back to Africa. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know what he was trying to say. But the only thing that makes sense to me, because if this is something that was true that this person said... Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes sense is he is probably a Freemason, right? Because at this point, Yahweh Ben Yahweh is very rich. He has money. He's affluent. He's rubbing elbows with politicians. He's up there. Mm -hmm. Probably a Freemason. And if you guys know anything about them, they basically run the world or are part of the actual group that run the world. And presidents are like predetermined, blah, blah, blah. It's just a bunch of shit. Conspiracy theories. So fun. But yeah. So fun. But for those of you who swear you are atheists, but you do know of Freemasons and you do believe mm-hmm. that they are the people who run the world, let's talk about it. Because yeah. they don't just have physical power. Their power stems from a spirit Spiritual. world. Yeah. And they all are required to believe in some type of God. It doesn't matter if you believe in a goat God. You have to believe in some higher power. Yes. So. Let's not get into it, because you know, this anyway, is not type of show. I saw that video. Don't play. Yeah. Shout out Nitrous TV. Shout out, bitch. The truth is, on YouTube. <laughs> if you guys are into that type of shit, go check their cha- yes. their channels out. Pretty dope. But that's our case, guys. Rest in peace to the victims. Shout out to the survivors who made it out of that cult. And Lord help the people that are still in. Because wow. they are definitely still doing it. And it's crazy because our history with a cult isn't as dramatic as that. But we do have some experiences where we've seen people know the truth, but choose to follow someone anyway because you swear that they're a good person. Yeah, it's just manipulation. It's the mind is one big mind fuck. You know, it it can be twisted and warped and just really fucking scary. So why we say what we say is for things like this not just against people who murder but also people who manipulate protect yourself every time because these people are just gonna take advantage of you if they can so don't allow it and let us know what you guys thought about this case because i really had fun researching it talking about it thank you so much to joanna that was her name Giovanna. 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 Giovanna for recommending this case if you guys fuck with us, 
give us a five-star review. You already know where to do it at. And if you want to be entered into this giveaway, do it and send us a screenshot of it. Yes. Kayla, you did a great job on this case. Thank you. Sister, you never, ever give me my props. Ever, ever, ever. And that was really nice. Well, it's, I'm telling you now. We've done like 40 episodes together. I'm gonna. I'm telling you now, and I will continue to tell you, and I think you've done a phenomenal job. Thank you. Out of 40 okay. episodes. And today was phenomenal. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Okay. And if you want to see us in person, we'll be in Dallas. Okay? Dallas. In August. August 26th, 28th. Yes. Come show us love. And that's pretty much it for today. So, as always, mm-hmm. be safe. Protect your peace and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Period, Brandy. Bye. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.